0: Hello, and welcome to State of Crime. One state, two murders, a whole lot of crime, especially this week, with Kaylin and Elena. Hi. Hi. How are you?
1: I'm okay. We just dealt with some computer issues, which is (laughs) seeming to be a normal thing lately, which is strange. We might need to sage it or something. Maybe. This is my theory. So we're back after a week away. Yep. Yep. It was kind of a nice little breather. That's right, and
0: thank you though to all of you who missed us and Jenna. Like, yeah, that was very sweet.
1: Right, I kind of was like, oh, <laughs> we do have people who
0: miss us when we're
1: not around. <laughs> we, yeah, it's it's been it's been great. Yeah, it was
0: awesome. So this week we are headed down south to Louisiana, mm-hmm. and you and I both have crazy,
1: mm-hmm. crazy cases. I have been. I've noticed, and I told you this the other day, that I've noticed I've been kind of on like an unsolved serial I know, even though we said we weren't going to do cold cases. I know, but I've just, I don't know what happened to me lately, but they've just gotten so much more interesting. They do. Well, and mine isn't technically a cold case but it kind of sort of is
0: and i ended up going down this rabbit hole of conspiracy theories i love
1: conspiracies i know
0: and it tied into like some other cases that we've already done yeah it's crazy this is exciting yeah so so in doing this podcast um You've introduced to me to one of my new favorite words, not that I had never heard it before, but just the fact that you use it so often, bonkers. I, <laughs> I know you love that word. So, and now so do I. And this case is bonkers. Yay! So, um, I am talking today about Clementine Barnabette. okay
1: and this already sounds like it's going to be a very old case it is it I can tell by the name right
0: it goes back well we're right around 1911 is when okay. most of the action takes place we've got kind of maybe possibly a father-daughter connection kind of like your new mexico case oh but we'll see possible there- incest No, no, no incest in this one, but lots, well, maybe, I don't know, because, (laughs) well, it seems like it was a very abusive household, and this, this is a case, there are a whole lot of questions here, there's a whole lot of misinformation, and a lot of things that kind of tie up, that was the problem, that tie together with things we've already talked about, so, You're going to see a lot of people's love of sensationalism here. And, like, you know, we always treat this like it's a modern thing. And I think we've already, you know, addressed that a lot of this goes back...
1: A long time. Yeah, as long as
0: people have been talking about things and had ways to print and talk about things, Mm -hmm. there's been sensationalism. Um, There may actually, you know, I get really irritated with the whole mental illness...
1: Great. Yeah. <laughs> Only when it's used as a defense. Exactly.
0: And there might actually be some here. Okay. We'll talk about that okay. as well. There's definitely a whole lot of racism. Oh, fine. Because we're in Louisiana. in the ni- I mean, in the 1910s when this is taking place, I mean, you literally sell people who lived through the Civil War and slavery and, you know, and Louisiana is the deep south. Mm-hmm. And so... That's going to play a role in here that I want people to keep in mind.
1: Cajun country.
0: Yes. And then also some of the false confession stuff that we've talked about, which also ties into some of the mental illness here. And we've also addressed the satanic panic of the 1980s, which was also a big part of the 1970s. But it just sounds better, I guess, to say satanic panic of the eighties. And then this is going to be the voodoo panic of the nineteen tens. Oh. So and that's where some of the racism and those sorts of things come in. So okay. okay? All right. So <clears throat> the other thing that was interesting is there wasn't a lot on YouTube about my case. And in fact, the the long well, not the longest video I found, but one of the videos had a girl from CrimeCon, which we were just talking about, yeah. who was literally reading the mental floss article from which I found most of my information, but she just like read it. And I don't even know, I can't remember now. I don't even think she like gave it credit, which was kind of annoying. Okay. But as I was doing this, because axe murders, Play a role of this, and one of the cases I had looked at, of course, was the Axeman Axman of New Orleans, because he's oh, you you don't know about the oh gosh, no. so the, but the Axeman of New Orleans, he was featured in um, oh gosh, now I can't think of the show, American Horror Story. He oh, was yeah, in no, that. I don't watch that. Okay, mm-hmm. but he's part of that, and, and I mean every murder podcast out there has probably done an episode on him it's also a cold case but anyway um i i came across this it was a fairly decently put together documentary there were a few problems i had with some of the factual i don't know presentations in it but one of the interesting things was they were trying to talk because axe murders were prevalent throughout the united states Mm -hmm. And a lot of them happened between like the late or in the, like about the 1880s up to around 1922.
1: My, the When you say axe murders, the first thing that comes to my mind is Lizzie Borden.
0: Okay, which by the way is not technically an axe murder. It was a hatchet. First of, and they're very different instruments. Yeah, and but... And the damage inflicted is very differently. So I do want to differentiate between the two. Because just like today, like people, you know, you hear people who get all bent out of shape when you talk about an assault weapon, you know, and people who are very into guns are like, that's a stupid, you know, differentiation or whatever that would matter to people of this time period yeah. where axes and hatchets were used by many, many people on a daily basis. Yeah. So the difference matters. So, and that was one thing too, is like in the comments of that particular video, somebody brought up the Lizzie Borden thing and I was like, but that's, a, it's different. And the MO was also different. Yeah. But anyway, from the late 1880s night to, to around 1922 throughout the United States, there were a lot of axe murders very often people in their beds very often families this tied back to my servant girl murders that we did in austin texas like i said the axeman in new orleans a couple years after this current case but anyway it made a pretty good case that possibly these were all done by the same person and there's another set of axe murders and i think he's called the man from the train and that that sounds familiar yeah and there was this idea that he obviously you know he jumped on trains mm-hmm. traveled around would jump off commit some murders get back on the train go somewhere and new disappear mm-hmm. but they even tied in in this particular documentary which kind of cracked me up because i jokingly Talked about how we need to be careful about German immigrants coming to this country because oh they become serial killers. And this person mentioned that possibly, and I, I kind of missed this connection because I was watching this while I was doing some other things. But it talked about that possibly this was a German immigrant who went back to Germany because we have... That farm family in Germany, and I can't remember the name of the case right now, but they were also killed with axes in very similar ways. And some of the ties here is these people are almost always killed in their beds or possibly dragged from, you know, but I mean, it's always like they've gone to bed and then Thank they're you. murdered, right? Um, They're almost always families, you know, a series of family members, if not the entire family. Okay. And very often, and this was the big one, the killer hangs out for a while afterwards and eats in the home. And there's always, yeah, there's always... Weird. Evidence that a meal... And that also happened in this German case. So that's why... Yeah, it was really fascinating. But anyway, if you're interested in that, look up, I think it's called like... The Axe Murders, The Most Prolific Murderer in History or something like that on YouTube, and you'll find it. So (laughs) anyway, we're going to jump, though, to mine. And like I said, one of the things might just be, I don't know that all of these cases are related. I am convinced that a lot of them are. Yeah. And part of it, too, of course, is axes were just, like we said, more prevalent. You know, you could show up at a family's home. Grab an axe because everyone had one for chopping wood. Go in, kill them all. Because most of the time, the axe was left behind. By the way,
1: so it was probably he probably wasn't taking the axe with him. No, no, no. Yeah, right.
0: Just grabbed one that was readily available. And in fact, in my particular case, the axe was often there. In the servant girl murders, I think sometimes I can't remember if the axe was left there, but. Anyway, like I said, my main source for this was a Mental Floss article because it did a very good job of pulling together all the various sources. And for this particular string of murders that we're going to cover, again, there was a little bit of discrepancy about who the first victims were, but they settled on a woman, and I don't think I'm going to be able to say the last name correctly, Edna Opelousis. And her three kids who were murdered in the town of rain, Louisiana in November of 1909. Okay. So that's the one that for this particular case, she's victim zero, right? The first one. Um, then there was nothing else for about a year and a half. Well, yeah, a little more than a year, I guess in January of 1911, Walter Byers, his wife and son, are also murdered with an axe in Crowley, Louisiana. Okay. Okay. Now, the area where Byers, the Byers family was murdered, and in fact, both of these murders were both committed in poor parts of town where there was a lot of crime, including murder. Mm -hmm. Again, we've talked about how, you know, people like to... You know wring their hands and wail that oh society today is so violent when in reality our murder rate has plummeted and was far higher in times like these um but what did really make these stand out is they were so exceptionally brutal and in fact one of the descriptions said Quote, they were brained with an axe, which means Ew. skulls were split open. I mean, this is graphic. Ew. Yeah, and really bad. Okay. The rooms were drenched in blood. And this is where there was the tie to my servant girl murders. There were bloody footprints found at the scenes. Huh. Mm-hmm. So, and they appear to be barefoot most of the time. So that's kind of an interesting tie. Yeah. Um, four weeks after this particular murder... Four members of the Andrus family in Lafayette, Louisiana, were murdered on February 25th, 1911. And at this time, unlike a lot of other cases that you and I have talked about historically, the police do in fact begin to suspect that there's one killer here, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, that's
1: strange because normally they avoid... Saying that it's a serial killer because they don't want well, town to pan- towns to panic.
0: Right, and like when we did the servant girl murders, which may or may not possibly be connected to these, we were, you know, talking about how insane it was that the police weren't connecting those yeah. murders and kept trying to, you know, prosecute significant others and yeah. things like that. So, so. That,
1: is, that is interesting. Yes. Different.
0: Right. And the murders here really like you know so we start 1909 and then nothing happens again till 1911 but after that there it's every few weeks
1: damn
0: yeah <clears throat> so after the Andrus family are murdered uh, on February 25th 1911 in San Antonio Texas one month later the uh, Cassaway Alf- Alfred and Elizabeth Cassaway and their three children are murdered in San Antonio Texas again also with an axe. So this murderer is moving around, but the M.O. is similar enough that they're saying, okay, these are all connected. Okay. After some investigating and a little, you know, of course, some false leads, the police arrest a man in Lafayette, Louisiana, where the Anders family had been murdered, a man named Raymond Barnabette. okay? And he was already well-known by the local police department, he was married with two kids. He worked as a sharecropper, which a lot of you are probably familiar with. There's not a lot of money in sharecropping. And that's also, you know, kind of the failure of the promise of the 40 acres and a mule after the Civil War and the freed yeah. slaves, all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, anyway, and so he augments his income with crime, as many, many people do and possibly are forced to. Uh even though he's married and has two children, the way he becomes a suspect in this is very interesting because he's turned in basically by his mistress, <laughs> so he's not the best of husbands and fathers, and like I said, there was um a lot of other sources did talk about that he was well known to be abusive and all of this sort of stuff. but anyway, after a fight with his mistress, she was angry. And apparently she confided in a friend that she felt like Raymond may be involved in these murders. They didn't say why or what the evidence was, but it was enough for the police to go and arrest him. And he goes on trial in October of 1911. So you like these trials to happen pretty quickly. yep. And that's the case Good. here. Um, other evidence that we have that he's not the best parent in the world is that his son and his teenage daughter, Clementine, and I'm not sure, I get the feeling that the son wasn't too much older, so they may well have both been teenagers. At the most, the son, whose name was Zephyrin, was only... zesty name. Yes, isn't that a great name? Was just a little bit older than Clementine, who was definitely a teenager at the time. Okay. Anyway, both Clementine and Zephyrin testify against their father. And in fact, Clementine on the stand says that her father came home with blood on his clothes. He threatened his wife and children, you know, if they said anything or, you know, to incriminate him in anything that he, in fact, came home and bragged about quote, killing the whole damn Andrus family. And her brother Zephyrin confirmed all of this okay
1: something sounds fishy okay
0: so raymond Barnabet sits in jail okay while his trial's ongoing and while he does on november 26 1911 norbert randall his wife their three children and a nephew who had the misfortune to be visiting them are all murdered with an axe in their beds while they're sleeping except this time norbert is shot in the head so we have a little variance here okay however we know raymond can't be the murderer here because he's he's, in jail there you go so the lafayette parish sheriff and you know louisiana has parishes instead of counties turns his eyes to clementine and zephyrin whom he was already sort of suspicious of so like their dad they already, They also had very bad reputations. Um, neighbors said very mean things about them. And again, you know, but I took a pause and I wondered how much of that was truth and reality, um, how much of that was just created by the expectation, you know? Yeah. You're poor, you're black, you're worth nothing in Louisiana. Sort yeah. of a mentality in the way these people had to have been treated their whole lives, you know? But in any case... They go and they search the house and they do find, well, okay, let me backtrack just a sec, sorry. So back when they were looking at Raymond as their suspect, they had found some blood on some of Clementine's clothing. And she claimed at the time that her father had wiped it there after murdering the Andrus family when he came home and bragged about it. Fishy. Yes. Um, so after the sheriff is looking at Clementine and Zephyrim, he, he does come in and they search the home again, and in Clementine's room, they find a, quote, complete su- suit of woman's clothes, saturated with blood, and covered with human brains. So here's my question. How do you know just looking at it that it's human brains, first of all? that That's an assumption. I but- also yeah go ahead. no, and I'm not don't. even sure how you know its brains. That Do you was know where I, mean? I was
1: going was it Yeah yeah
0: Cause... And the other thing is this is you know several months after the murders. It's Louisiana, so it's you know what I mean? like I was thinking this had to have smelled and I, anyway, it's weird. So they find these clothes. Now Zephyrin had an alibi. For the Andrus murders, which is what they were specifically looking at them for, because and then these new murders as well, Clementine did not have an alibi, so they arrest her. And the murders continue. Okay, so on in January of 1912 in Lake Charles, Louisiana, a man named Felix Broussard, his wife and three kids are all murdered, but again, there's a new twist. This time the victim's hands are splayed apart with pieces of wood and a message is written on the wall. Sources vary whether it was blood or pencil that the message was written in, but what doesn't seem to be in dispute is it was a version of Psalm 9:12 from the King James Bible which reads, quote, when he maketh the inquisition for blood, he forgetteth not the cry of the humble, end quote. And below that, it was signed human five. So now the police are convinced, okay, we're not dealing with one murderer. We're dealing with multiple. We've got a group here. And the number five is gonna become important as well. And I don't know if you've already picked up on a pattern here, But very often you have two parents and three children, Mm -hmm. right? Now, sometimes it's only one parent, so you have four victims. Like in the one case, we had the nephew visiting, so there were six. six. But it's almost always in in there. Two adults and three children. There you go. So, of course, like we said, sensationalism. You know, the papers and everybody pick up on this. They nickname this group of people the Human Five Gang, and it's around this time, too, that the voodoo angle starts to really become part of the story as well. And it was really hard for me to see exactly why. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because, I don't know why this suddenly, maybe because it's Louisiana, you know, of course, the, all the stereotypes there. Yeah. Um, the newspaper that seems to bring it up first is the El Paso Gazette, and they bring up the idea about human sacrifice, first of all, in the way you know that these people aren't just being murdered, they're actually human sacrifices because of the voodoo angle. And they're also pushing the number five, okay? So they had... A quote that said, quote, now comes the Brassard tragedy with its five victims, thus completing a series of sacrifices of five separate families, each evidently to have involved five victims, end quote. And this gets picked up again by lots of other papers who all start talking about, you know, that this is a voodoo cult. They're sacrificing these people, that the number five is important to them. Like said, you're rolling your eyes.
1: I am rolling my eyes because it sounds like a lot of bullshit to me. Because me too. It's the same thing with the whole satanic panic. I, yes, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like they're getting their sorry. It's gonna sound very blunt. <laughs> they're getting their brains in their heads bashed in. Normally, like sacrifices. Mm-hmm. I put that in air quotes. Right. It's like. <laughs> Draining of blood, yeah, and it's right. it's most mostly about the blood,
0: yeah. And there's some sort of an altar, or religion. you know what I mean? So, yeah, this is right. just
1: nonsense being with people getting their heads bashed in, yeah. Like, it just and so then there's reports start
0: out that Clementine is a leader of something called the Church of Sacrifice, and they also start looking at a Pentecostal revival preacher named Reverend King Harris. Supposedly, he's also a leader in this church of sacrifice. But here's the thing. His church was called Christ Sanctified Holy Church. So they bring this reverend in. They question him extensively. And it's pretty obvious he knows nothing about what they're talking about. He's mortified that they would even you know, yeah. think that any of his preaching would have anything to do with something like this. So there's... A thought that possibly there's a semantical error going on here, that the Church of Sanctified, Church of Sacrifice, somehow gets mangled in people's minds, and then through reports. Yeah. And here's where it gets even crazier, and this is where I start to think, okay, Clementine is just a fall guy for all of this, because on the 5th of April of 1912, she does make a full confession. All right. And she confesses supposedly everything. She admits to 17 murders. She claims that she bought a voodoo charm that would make her invisible or and or protect her while she was committing crimes. She claims that she had accomplices that they would all meet together and then they would draw lots to see who got to kill the intended victims. And even the new, here's where I I have some hope for humanity, because even the newspaper that printed her confession seemed doubtful. Good. Yeah. Because here's the thing. Because it sounds like shit. (laughs) Right. Well, it sounds like she's taking all the threads from the newspapers Mm -hmm. that have started to grow up around this case and incorporating incorporating them into her own confession. Um, You know, and so the newspaper, even at the bottom after it, you know, prints her thing, makes note of the fact that she'd already claimed that her dad was the murderer and testified against him, but the murders kept happening. Um, She does these accomplices that she supposedly has. She gives names to the police and they go and check these people out and it never pans out. You know, they all end up having alibis or, you know, they just, the police are all like, there's no way this person was involved in this. Um, And then where it gets even more crazy, the details of the murders keep changing in her confession. So every time she talks about it, she's changing details and the numbers. Which is normally a
1: sign of a false confession. Right.
0: And she even ups the number to 35 murderers from 17. And so this is where you start to think, okay, she probably is maybe mentally ill. Do you know what I mean? That she's going to these lengths with things. She can't even keep her own story straight. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, Nevertheless, they do put her on trial. Her defense does put forth, uh, you know, an insanity, what we call an insanity defense. Yeah. And even though, like I said, there seems to be some evidence that that's probably the case, at the age of 19, she's sentenced to life in prison at the Louisiana Penitentiary. And... On the 31st of July in 1913, she actually escaped, although she was again caught the very same day. And despite that, the records that they have of her as a prisoner all describe her as being a model prisoner. That, you know, she follows the rules, she does what she's told.
1: But then again, wasn't it the same thing with Ted Bundy and he still escaped twice?
0: Yeah, I don't, yeah. You know what I mean? Right.
1: So that that part means a little less to me because it was the same thing with Ted Bundy, but... Because he escaped twice, I believe twice, two oh, or three
0: times. yeah, several times. I yeah. think even more than twice, you know, in various... D- yeah, yeah. and
1: so, and he, it's, they said the same thing about him. He was, you know what I mean? It's So that part just doesn't mean right. anything to me. Well, and
0: then <laughs> this is where it really falls apart and just gets weird for me. Because basically, Clementine Barnabette disappears. What? So, the last written information that seems to exist about her... Is there's a report from the Louisiana Penitentiary that she received a, quote, procedure that, quote, restored her to normal condition. They did. I know what it is. Which allowed her to be released on good behavior after 10 years. But. That's it. That's it. There's no record of her. There are some other stories that she did manage to escape a second time and was never caught and disappeared. So those are the two narratives.
1: And they did a lobotomy. That's And what they I'm, probably killed her.
0: That's exactly, exactly what I thought.
1: The, the, that's the only option. Yeah. So before you said anything about the procedure, I'm like, well, they killed her. Yeah. But now that they did a procedure, it's 100% they did a lobotomy. And, and lobotomies we, are trash anyway. and we know that
0: they used you know african american you know as guinea pigs medical guinea pigs not just for the i mean for all kinds of different things they wouldn't have thought twice about using a young black woman as a mm-hmm. medical experiment and if she died
1: eh, especially she died. because she's in jail for mm-hmm. murder so yeah. you know what i mean so right. to them her life is Meaningless, I guess mm-hmm. you know what I mean, right? But yeah, 100%. They had to have done a lobotomy. A guy named Freeman, mm-hmm. and
0: historically, they claim that the first lobotomy occurred in his office on January 17th, 1946, which you know. You know, that was probably
1: the first legal
0: one that they recorded. The Well, supposedly, is- though, he gets credit, though, for inventing the procedure. However, I'm with you. If it's not a lobotomy, it's something. They were doing, so- and we know that, you know, throughout history, there have been all kinds of different procedures that have been done to people, you know what I mean? Yeah. To cure them of, of various mental illnesses, yeah, yeah, mental illnesses or, you know, social deviance and mm-hmm. all of those sorts of things. So whatever it was, and like I said, lobotomy was my first thought, but whether it's whatever it is, they did something horrific to her. She mm-hmm. died and they covered it up. Yeah. That is my belief. And I'm not convinced at all that she committed any of these murders well, either. Well, she
1: had gotten arrested and there was still another murder after
0: right. it. Well, so- because remember, it's the Church of Sacrifice and all her followers and blah, 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 which again, okay, but you just, even like I said, the newspaper that took her confession was like, no, no. And she's naming accomplices who turn out not to be, you know, indictable in any way.
1: You know, we've had a lot of shitty police work in these last few episodes that we've done. Mm-hmm.
0: And I'm really getting sick of it. it. Well, in this case, I really... I'm not going to blame the police in this case because I do feel like they're doing their due diligence. Do you know what I, And what I want to say about the police in this case is, yes, they arrested her, you know, and she made this confession.
1: Okay, so the arrest is not my problem because, granted, they found a bloody suit. Well, co- so they said. Yeah. And, and again, we also
0: know evidence gets planned and like i said this is you know a suit that's found months after the supposed murder and they can just look at it and it's covered in blood and And brains brains. like
1: you knew yeah i don't know i think that i think that somebody in the family was
0: involved possibly i and like i said with this one and given you know the Axman murders in Louisiana, in sorry New Orleans that happened shortly after this, I'm or, I wonder how how many of these axe murders are in fact connected. Like I said, I'm not, I don't know that every single one. You know, yeah. like I really do believe Lizzie Borden killed her family. Yeah, I'm sorry, 100%. that's yeah, totally 100%. different. Yeah, and like I said, hatchet, not an axe. Um, but there is, I think a lot of research that could and should be done about this man from the train theory, how many of these ax murders over this, you know, 40, 50 year period are probably in fact related. And like I said, can you imagine how easy it would have been during that time period? Just hopping on trains, walking in, killing people, walking out. There's no forensics. You know, what forensics they are in their infancy. You have practically, and like I said again, props to this police department or these police departments that were like, there's a connection here. Yeah. You know what I mean? When so often there wasn't one made.
1: My thing is that she got prosecuted under shit
0: well, yes. Shit evidence. Yeah, and that's where the racism comes in. That was a jury of 12 white men. You know uh, it. Yeah, you I know, know it. um And all of those sorts of things that play into this case as well that, yeah. you know, I haven't delved into quite as deeply. But, um, like I said, I'm, and I know that I presented what I thought was a pretty good suspect for, like, the Austin Servant Girl murders, mm-hmm. But now I, like I said, since I came across this stuff, I'm questioning that a little bit more.
1: Yeah, and my my thing is is so she got after, before she got arrested. Right, and here's
0: the and other thing: she got life in prison and not a death sentence, which strange. I also found very interesting for this time period and this place as well.
1: Yeah, that's that's very strange. So. Correct me if I'm wrong. When her dad was in jail, the murder that happened before she got arrested—that mm-hmm. was the family where the husband was shot.
0: No, the well, yeah, 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 right. So while her dad was in jail, that next murder that happened—that's the first time we have one of these big variations—and uh-huh, and that's someone, right where the man was shot,
1: and the, the rest of them were killed. With and an then
0: axe. right. Yes. Okay. And I don't know if he was also, do you know what I mean? I don't know if he was shot and attacked with the ax uh-huh. or just shot.
1: And like, and first then we all, had all, did they the ever hands. Look for the gun? No See,
0: idea. Yeah. there's so
1: many things that they well,
0: didn't. This whole case just has these ginormous holes, holes. that you can drive a truck through, Ooh. including <laughs> what the hell ever happened to her. Like, how are you somebody that has that level of notoriety and then you just fall out of the historical record completely?
1: Or did she escape again? And instead of maybe she escaped and they didn't realize it for however long. And instead of being like, well, shit, she escaped again we can't find her and everybody's freaking out. Let's cover just our like, asses. We're just going to like cover it up, say we did this procedure, and now she's good to go. So well, if that's... anybody sees her, they're like, well, she got this procedure done. She's fine. But how
0: does she just disappear? Do you know what I mean? What Where is she going to go? you do it?
1: Well, yeah, but where is she going to go? What is she going to do? Hop don't... on a train. Get the hell out.
0: And start murdering more people
1: with exactly. necks. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because then yeah. it wouldn't be strange if... If somebody saw her. True. Because then they're like, oh, they said that they did this procedure and she's good to be let out and okay. she's fine. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I just feel. I doubt it. Me but too. Me there, too. It's an
0: option. Uh, yeah. So anyway, weird case. Very weird case. And like I said, I'm, I'm really into this whole traveling axe murderer mm-hmm. theory too like I want to delve much deeper into that and do some more research because yeah. I really find I'm I'm fascinated by that right now so yeah.
1: I feel like that's how I am with my unsolved yeah. serial killers I don't know what it is yeah and
0: like I said I feel like this is basically you know unsolved as well I, yeah. I'm not convinced
1: that she did it that she
0: know. nor her father did it I, I also really like want to know what
1: happened to her
0: yeah there's two prongs here hmm. you've got a series of murders that I believe, are technically unsolved, and then you've got what happened to her.
1: Yeah. Hmm. A lot of questions. Yeah, so... Which I, surprisingly not making me angry. This whole cold case that I've been in is, like, making, making cold cases... No, it doesn't. Oh. They're not making me angry anymore. Normally, cold cases make me angry because I want answers, and, like, I want them now.
0: Uh-huh. But... I'm going to blame Maria for that, because she's really you know, into the
1: cold cases, might, and she got you into the pod, the the podcast's mm-hmm.
0: about that and i think she has made you her disciple.
1: Yeah. Well, granted i did kind of get her into the into one of them. I was like you need to listen okay. to this. Okay. Well, that's good too. But i'm glad it went both ways. Yeah, it did. But we can blame her. Maria, it's your fault. That's right. We love you. Oh, your you. fault. <laughs> Come back.
0: So, all right. So you're doing I'm not going
1: to tell you. Okay. But, but doing... it is an unsolved yes. serial killer yes. Possibly. And it
0: has the number eight. That's all I know because I can't remember right now the rest. But <laughs> we're going back to Louisiana. Yep. So in the meantime, hop on our Facebook discussion page.
1: Give us your theories about some of this stuff. If you have any suggestions, yes. you can email us at State of Crime Podcast at gmail.com or just message our Facebook page because we will also get those
0: yeah or even Which- message us directly because most of you I think are also our friends yeah. or whatever so. did you
1: happen to see the messages that Jenna sent us about some cool yes cases?
0: yes I did thank yes. you Jenna seriously, again seriously, for those ideas Jenna, too those yes were, and cool. Cheryl I'm dead serious about you being our Florida correspondent and giving us some mm-hmm. whack out job from Florida each week that'd and be pretty cool yes so um,
1: also make sure you check out our Twitter even though you're probably not doing on there I can tell nothing. by the look on your face and our Instagram which I'm also slacking on <laughs> but why not um and is that everything oh if you're listening on an Apple product yes, make sure you go into your Apple podcast rate and review us you don't have to give it five stars if you don't want to rate what you think is fair but it does help us out a lot and we have gotten quite a few over yes. the last week or two and, which is exciting
0: yes and thank you to all of you who share the mm-hmm. podcast and share like um Mackenzie gave us a nice shout out on her Facebook page. We very much appreciate that. We do. And we just we just like making you happy. So we thanks like for doing listening. this.
1: Yeah. So until next week. Thanks for listening. See you
0: next time.